You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Carl. And I'm Mindy, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. Three thousand six hundred and fifty days or ten years. A lot has changed for me in ten years. I left my job, made a whole new set of friends, started a blog and podcast, wrote a book, I have traveled extensively and been asked to speak in foreign countries. But if you had asked me in 2013 what the next decade would bring, I would have come up with none of this. I knew that I wanted to be financially independent. I knew that I wanted to quit my job due to burnout. In fact, I was so blinded by these wants that I failed to consider almost everything else. And now money, my finances, rate much farther down in my daily list of concerns and priorities. At the same time 10 years ago, my guest today also drew a line in the sand about their priorities and building a life of financial wealth. They started a blog called 1500 Days Till Freedom with the idea of quitting work and blog writing on the expected date of financial independence. Well, 3,650 days later, the blog is still alive and kicking. This couple has far surpassed their financial goals, and like me, they could have never imagined what life would look like today. Carl and Mindy Jensen are financial independence enthusiasts, bloggers, and podcasters. In 2013, Carl wrote his first post for the popular blog, 1500 Days to Freedom, which chronicles not only his family's economic journey, but so much more. On January 1st of this year, this well-loved blog celebrated 10 years of existence. Carl and Mindy, welcome back to Earn and Invest. Carl, in this recent blog post on 1500days.com, you say you feel like a dog who catches the car. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I guess we need to go way back to answer that question thoroughly. When I was a kid, I never thought I'd have money. We weren't destitute, but we weren't that well off either. There were some fears about us perhaps losing our house when my dad was out of work, and it was quite scary. So the thought that I'd ever have a million dollars in my life was completely, I didn't even think about it. It was so far, it's like going to the moon or something. I'm not going to even think about that because there's no possibility of that ever happening. And then later on, I got a good job. I went to school. First one in my family, I think, to graduate college. I got a good job. I found financial independence sometime later and accomplished my goal. <laughs> I guess still it was a bit surreal at that point. Like, holy crap, we have a million dollars. What happens now? And it was at that point that I realized and that I'm still learning right now, actually, Jordan, is that money isn't a goal. It's a stupid goal. It should be just a small stepping stone to living right. So I had caught the car. I had accomplished my financial goal. But there's so much more to life. That wasn't the end. It was just the start. Mindy, talk us about that time in your life where money was definitely a goal. My understanding of your story is that Carl found who now is your neighbor, Mr. Money Mustache, Pete Adeny, and that kind of enlightened him on this idea of financial independence. Tell me about that conversation you and Carl had about this idea of financial independence when you discovered it. So he was working as a computer programmer. He was having a very stressful day. He was week, month, year, decade. <laughs> he was working on medical devices. And if he made a mistake, 
that mistake had the potential to kill somebody. It's not just, oh, there's a bug in the code. It's now there's a bug in somebody else and they're dead. So he, somebody found a mistake and correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody found a mistake, attributed it to Carl and Carl had a week of absolute panic Hmm. and he banged out on the computer. How do I quit my job early? And Mr. Money Mustache popped up and he starts reading. He's like, this is a load of crap. This guy's selling (laughs) something, but he kept reading anyway. And he's like, well, this is just a math problem. And the math checks out. You can actually retire early. He read the 4% rule and, you know, all that stuff. What was it? The shockingly simple path to whatever, maybe not even that. I can't even remember. The the shockingly simple math behind financial independence or something, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. The number one post on Pete's blog. And he comes out of his office and says to me, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm like, great, do it. (laughs) I was a stay-at-home mom at the time. We had a three-year-old and a five-year-old. I hadn't worked in five years. I knew that financially we weren't destitute. And we had just moved from a very expensive house on a lake in Wisconsin, where they have very high property taxes, to Colorado, where they have very low property taxes. Our house price was like cut in half. It was, we had a lot of runway that we could coast on while he got another job. And then he tells me about this, this financial independence thing. I'm like, okay. And then he said, I'm going to write a blog about it. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) So one very quick follow-up to what Mindy says, there is a ton of value in life to finding a partner who, when you run out of your office, and you say some crazy things like, I found this Mr. Money Mustache guy on the internet who says I can retire in a couple of years. Let's do it. And your partner says, yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> I, I'm so thankful that we have that. That's a whole other story that we can or cannot, may or may not want to go into. So what he's saying is I'm the best thing that's ever happened to him. That's that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And after knowing you guys for years, I, I thoroughly believe that. So, Kyle, take us back to that moment. The one thing is finding financial independence. One thing is deciding you want to leave your job. But why talk about it publicly? Why start a blog, 1500 Days to Freedom? My The first thing I ever wanted to do when I went to school was be a journalism major. And then I looked at the job prospects for it, and they're not very good. So writing was probably always my first love. I loved my English classes and in college and high school. But I don't want to do it because I wanted to make money. I never wanted to be financially insecure. But then here was this opportunity to allow me to write again. So that was the first part. The other part was I thought it would be cool to document my journey publicly. It added a little drama to my life. I could have. I didn't fail just because of luck. The stock market did very well from the time I started the blog to the time I did require the time I did retire. But I thought it would be a lot of fun sharing my story and perhaps keeping me honest and maybe in the back of my mind, hoping to inspire some other people as well. Mindy, what were your goals back then? Because I'm thinking about my introduction, this idea that 10 years ago, I had no idea what I would feel was important to me today. At that point, you've discovered financial independence. You've started this blog. What did you think your goals were back then? Wow. My goal was to get my daughter potty trained. She was three. (laughs) With regards to the blog, I don't think we had a lot of goals. I thought it was ridiculous that he was going to start a blog because it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. You're not going to keep up with it. It's going to fall by the wayside, like whatever. It's just a distraction. Don't worry about it. And now 10 years later, he's still doing it like every week. Have you ever missed a week? I have once or twice. But multiple posts in in some instances, he was working full time and writing multiple posts per week and working on rehabbing a house and being a dad and being a husband and being a friend and, you know, all these things. So he's kept it up. I think it's really impressive, not just that he's had a blog for 10 years, but that he's consistently posted for 10 years. There's a lot of people in the blogosphere who write a post and then a month later they might write something and then not for six months. And that's no slam on them. It's a lot of work to keep up a blog, but to do it consistently for 10 years is even more impressive, I say, as I toot my own horn 
or toot our own horn. <laughs> and I don't mean it to sound like that. It just, you know, it's all him. I'm tooting his horn. Carl, originally the blog was supposed to end at 1500 days when you reached your goal. What were your original economic goals like when you started 1500 days? What was supposed to happen by 1500 days? My original goal, and I fully acknowledge I pulled this number out of my backside, was a million dollars in no debt. I had read Pete's post about the 4% rule. So I thought, yeah, 40,000 should be a good number to live on. If our house is paid off, I think we'll be able to do that. And I thought I'd accomplish it in 1500 days, which is the amount of time, which is became the name of the blog. And in retrospect, that's all pretty ridiculous because we have no control over short-term moves of the sh- of the stock market. So I really appreciate that he has continued to talk about the concept of financial independence and his life after early retirement because there aren't a lot of people who are doing it. There's a lot of blogs that talk about the journey too, and then they go away. Or they're like, hey, I'm retired and it's awesome. And they just stop posting. And that's, again, no slam on them. That was their goal and they stopped. But then there's not a lot of people talking about what happens next. And I think what happens next is really, really important because there's this idea that, oh, if I can quit my job, life will be perfect. It's not going to be perfect because it wasn't perfect before. It's not going to be perfect in the future. All the same problems are going to be there minus money if you've got your money taken care of. So if you're having a bad relationship with your spouse, you're still going to have a bad relationship with your spouse. In fact, it may be worse because now you have more time to fight. You know, your parents could get sick. Your kids could get sick. There's lots of things that happen that are outside of your control. So planning your retirement, I think is important. Planning and talking about what happens afterwards, I think is really important. I want to talk about this issue, Mindy, of what happens afterwards, right? Because the setup on 1500 Days to Freedom is, in a sense, we're going to quit our jobs, have enough money to live, and then go do whatever the heck we want. On the other hand, Mindy, you actually started building a career right at this time. What was kind of going on there? That's very interesting. There's It's twofold. On the one hand, yes, I started building a career because it was always my intention to go back to work once my youngest, once our youngest was in kindergarten. And then right before she started kindergarten, my dream job popped up on my favorite website, biggerpockets.com. And I applied for it. I got it. And it started like, I've had a really great career there so far. And it's, I now have a podcast. I've written two books for them. I have spoken at their event. It's, it's a really fun job. But if I hadn't had that job, Carl may not have had the calm to quit his job. So we traded a high pay, high stress job with almost no enjoyment for a good pay, no stress, amazing enjoyment. I can't believe I get to work here job. And then he took over the stay-at-home parent responsibilities. It was it was a good fit, but I don't know that he would have been able to leave because of his early financial insecurities if I hadn't had the job. Mindy, let me get this straight, though. Two issues, right? One is whether you had actually made it to your number or had enough to feel wealthy enough for you both to quit. The other is kind of the childhood insecurities. When you first started Bigger Pockets, which was it? Were you at a place financially where you both could have not worked and been okay looking back at it? Or did you feel any way that you still needed some income to get to a certain point? I think looking back at it, we probably could have let you go. Yeah, we had passed our number by a, a pretty big margin. But yeah, it did give me a little bit more comfort that you had a job. I think I still would have left, but it would have been a little bit tighter and I would have had a little bit more anxiety. You, us having that transition freed me from having any anxiety over our finances. So I'm very thankful for that. And I think we both worked at the same time for about a year. And after a while, I'm like, you need to quit your job because I don't want to quit mine. And both parents working doesn't work for us because it's it's just too much. 
And it's, I have to acknowledge the extreme privilege that allows me to say that, but we're also super frugal. I mean, we don't spend, well, right now we're spending all of my salary and more because we're rehabbing a house, but we don't spend all of my salary. We're just frugal people. So it didn't make sense for us both to work and have the added stress of both of us working when he hated his job. I loved my job and we could live off my salary. Carl, you'd said earlier, one thing when you discovered financial independence is your analytical brain says, this is a math problem. And yet just a moment ago, we're talking about this idea that technically you'd hit your number, but because of childhood trauma, that kind of stuff, there was still maybe some reticence at this idea of not having any income. I think we do this a lot in our community. We talk a lot about the mathematical issues when it comes to financial independence. Talk about the other side of that. I mean, emotionally, were you ready to not have income at that point in your life? Theory is really great, Jordan, but reality is very different sometimes. I don't think I actually was. If you look at, especially early in the financial independence movement, many of us were engineers. And I think that's because we think in numbers. I have numbers running through my brain at all days and hours of the night. And I think we're also control freaks. If we're engineers, we're pretty specific and intentional about the way we write code or the way we design rockets or cars or whatever. So there's a lot of things we can control. But when it comes to financial independence, you're relying on a whole bunch of variables that are out of your control. There's a 4% rule, but you could have all your money and everything lined up. You can control all your spending, but the stock market could take a huge dump the next day. Early retirement now, let's talk about the sequence of returns. So I think that's probably the thing that gives us anxiety and probably why dividend growth investing is popular, dividend investing, because you have it's much more defined the amount of income you're going to have to spend. Where me, a growth investor, reliant on the 4% rule, like it, it could turn out great and it probably will, but there's still a chance that it won't. And it's that chance, that negativity bias that our minds run to. Minnie, do you ever people come kind of at you because you're public figures now, right? Carl has been writing quite a bit for Mr. 1500 over the last 10 years. You've been working for Bigger Pockets and you have the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Do any people come at you and kind of say, well, you know, you talk about financial independence and retire and those kind of things, but you still have income. Like the purists, do you sometimes bump heads with them that think that you're not truly part of this financial independence community because really you're continuing to work? I think that we've been pretty lucky that the Internet Retirement Police haven't come at us yet. Um, but to that, I say, go find something else to be all angry about. <laughs> this is my life and this is what I'm choosing to do. And should my job become not enjoyable anymore, then I'll make a different choice. But right now I get paid to talk about money. I get paid to talk about real estate. That's kind of awesome. Um, they have come after me a couple times and I, I think they have a point. You're correct. I'm absolutely making money. But it's not a job. For the first three years of the blog, I eventually decided to monetize it. But for the first three years, I made like a hundred bucks and I didn't care. I didn't care if it ever made money because I was doing it because I liked it. Uh, the best analogy I could think of, which probably isn't that great, but if you love running and you're out running and you see a hundred dollar bill on the ground, of course, you're going to pick it up, hopefully try to reunite it with its proper owner. But just like blogging, if, if I like to write, and I could maybe have an ad for a product that I truly like and endorse and make some money from that. I will. Hopefully it doesn't inform the way I live or change that. But yeah, I, I would say those people have a little bit of a point. Not a strong one, but I'll, I'll give them a little. <laughs> Anybody running that finds a $100 bill, that was mine. You could reunite it with me. Carl, it's an interesting question, and I face this myself. You know, we spend so much time worrying about making money, and then at some point you transition to this idea of financial independence, you work towards it, you get there, and then you go on with the rest of your life. And of course, there's a transition period, but you guys are a number of years into this. Is there still a joy in making money? I mean, this idea of being industrious and doing something that makes money, does that still kind of give you a thrill? 
Yeah, I think there is a joy in making money as long as the thing that you're doing to make money really gives you joy. I'm working on a house right now, and I'm that chapter in my life is actually about to end. But I, I I've enjoyed this. I've just found out, figured out recently that there's other things I want to move on to. But I, I think yeah, there is. There's definitely a joy in making money, and it's kind of silly because we don't really have anything to do with it. Like our, we have two cars. They both have two hundred thousand miles on them. Like we just. If something makes us happy, we go out and buy it, but we just can't find enough things to spend our money on to make us happy, which we're in a great place. I, Again, I'm so thankful for our position. But despite all that, for some reason, there still is this um, maybe an error, in my mind at least, that makes it still fun to make money. Mindy, what about losing money? You One of the things I enjoy most about financial independence is I don't track my spending anymore at all. Like I don't even think about it. If I want to go out and eat or do whatever I want to do, I do it. Carl mentioned in that recent blog post, your original goal for 1500 Days to Freedom was a million dollars. Now, 2022 was kind of hard on the investments. In fact, you lost more than a million. I shouldn't say lost. Your value of your investments went down more than a million dollars. Do you get the same heartache and fear or do you kind of handle it in stride now? And you're like, eh, nothing to worry about. I don't love watching my net worth go down. Nobody does. I think that's a pretty silly statement. I don't love it, but, you know, but everybody else does. No, but I also don't track it. He logs on to every investment site that we have every morning. That's part of his routine is just to check it out. I know that it's there and I know that the market fluctuates up and down. So we're not accessing this money today. So it's not such a big deal. Even if my employment with bigger pockets ends, I'm still a real estate agent. I'm fairly active. I was number 16 in my company last year. Yay. Uh, if you're looking for a real estate agent in Longmont, I can help you out. Sorry. But I'm, you know, I'm fairly active and that generates a lot of income. I think that, and, and that's something I love. I'm never giving that up. That's I love looking at houses. But like Carl said, we've kind of come to the realization that the work to rehab a house is no longer something that we really want to be pursuing actively. Um, we have a 15-year-old and she's going to be going off to school again. So things are starting to pull back a little bit, but it doesn't it doesn't bother me that the market went down because I have faith that it will go back up. I mean if you look at the the market hist the history of the market it goes up and then a giant drop in 1929. And then it's just up and to the right ever since then with a bunch of little blips inside. And if you zoom in, every single one of those blips is going to look like a massive drop. But when you zoom out, it's up and to the right. So I believe again, that it will go up. So one follow up, this is going to sound like crazy talk. And I never thought I'd be <laughs> telling you what I'm about to say now, but we lost 40% of our net worth over a course of 12 months, starting in late 2021. 40%? Yeah, 40%. I don't like talking about percentages. Yeah, which sounds, that gives me anxiety. This sounds crazy, but before this happened, we had done really well. We got very lucky with some tech stocks, and they had gone up like crazy. So I had all these games, Jordan, going on in my head like, okay, when is it going to double again? Because we had a couple really good years, and it led me to a toxic, toxic place. I'm like, well, you know, I don't really want to spend money. I just want to try to get more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden we're down 40%. And it made me realize what a silly game we're playing. I'm like, does this money really provide happiness to us? There's if we use it, that could be providing far more happiness. It says it's down 40%. <laughs> we kind of lost that game, but it was a dumb game to be playing in, in the first place. My mind was in the wrong place. So I've never felt better about money than I felt in the past month after losing 40% of our net worth. I mean, to prove it, we're going to New York. We're going to go see two Broadway shows. Holy cow, Jordan, I didn't know a Broadway show cost 300 bucks a ticket. But <laughs> even though I exclaimed that that's a lot of money, I'm happy to spend it. And I don't know if I, I probably wouldn't have been saying that two years ago. I would have been. He not would not happy. have. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm in the best money place in my life after losing almost half our net worth. It's great. 
It's not great. Don't act like, woohoo, can't wait for it to happen again. And, and again, I'm so fortunate to be able to say these things. I'm so thankful that we have this life. Woo, losing money. We are talking to Carl and Mindy Jensen. They are financial independence enthusiasts, bloggers, and podcasters. And we are discussing 10 years of their blog, 1500 Days to Freedom. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, service key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash earn. That is linkedin.com slash E-A-R-N for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash earn and get started. Let me reintroduce you. We're talking to Carl and Mindy Jensen. In 2013, Carl wrote his first post for the popular blog, 1500 Days to Freedom, which chronicles not only his family's economic journey, but so much more. On January 1st of this year, this well-loved blog celebrated 10 years of existence. Let's talk about what's changed in the last 10 years. Carl, you were talking about this idea of, you know, in some ways we measure ourselves with things like net worth. And so you were talking about those tech stocks and the doubling time and how you kind of derive a sense of pleasure from it. And then all of a sudden it goes down 40%. You realize maybe I'm concentrating on the wrong things. Let's talk about what's happened over the last 10 years. What types of things are you now concentrating on that you probably wouldn't have thought about 10 years ago? Yeah, probably the main and most important one is health. If we don't have our health, everything else becomes kind of pointless. So when I was writing the blog, working a full-time job, fixing up a house with two kids, probably working like 100 hours a week, uh, life was pretty miserable. And that was always the first thing I'd give up. So I didn't focus on my physical health. I didn't focus on my mental health. I didn't give enough time back to my family. So I kind of neglected many, many parts of my life. And, and that was wrong to do all for the sake of money, sacrificing your life on the altar of money. That's completely ridiculous. So now I would say my priorities have completely turned around. Money is the last priority. And living well, which is a much more complicated, but much more rewarding thing to focus on is my focus. Mindy, did working on these things for you as a couple require the money? I mean, looking back, was the money necessary, but not sufficient? Or was it not even necessary now that you think about it? Uh, Jordan, I think that's a very interesting question. Money isn't really necessary to be in good health or as good health as you can be, depending on your specific circumstances. Not everybody can be, you know, in perfect health, but you can certainly try a whole lot harder. You can eat healthier. You can 
exercise more. You can, you know, even if it's modified, you can do something. I have spent a lot of time sitting and that's not healthy. I'm very excited about the gym membership that we just joined again after a very long hiatus. Some of it was hiatus because of COVID and some of it was just, you know, we're busy, but I want to get back in shape and I want to be healthy. And did we need to have the money in order to get healthy? No. Should we have focused on that earlier? Absolutely. But what is it? The the best time to do it is yesterday. The next best time to do it is today. So, you know, we're starting today. Carl, I feel like we have this debate all the time in our circles. And so I, I feel like you've probably thought about it together as a family. But then because both of you are content creators, you get to hear through your podcasts and blogs other people's opinions, et cetera. The debate is about whether money can buy happiness. And we all know that there's data out there and there have been studies, but I hear people debate this all the time. What do you think after kind of 10 years of writing this blog as well as living through this, does money buy happiness and to what extent? Oh, that's such a complicated question, Jordan, but such a good one too. Yeah, money definitely can buy happiness, but not in the way the TV or media would tell us. It buys us happiness when we can buy good food and have shelter, have reliable transportation, and be able to focus on things that are important in life, our friends. But above and beyond that, it does not buy happiness. There's a so when I started the blog, I thought my life would be completely different. I thought I would retire. And then as soon as I retired, unicorns would jump over rainbows <laughs> and beer would flow from the clouds and everything would be wonderful. And then I retired it like, yeah, my life is definitely better, but I'm not really that much happier. So I started researching this a little bit. There's a famous, I believe she's a psychiatrist. I'm really sorry. I'll, I'm going to butcher her name. It's like Sandra Lebowski or I'm sorry, I said that wrong, but she's a Stanford psychiatrist that should give people enough to Google and find her. But she maintains that I think it's over half of your happiness comes from internal factors, not external. And as great as financial independence is, it's an external factor. It's money. It's not internal. You're not working on yourself and the day-to-day thoughts that might make you happy or sad. Yeah, money buys you happiness at a basic level, but then it's up to you to figure out the rest. The beautiful thing is the money will give you the time to figure out the rest and do some deep introspection and figure out what really gets your juices flowing and being able to work through problems. And it actually might surface some problems as well. J.D. Roth wrote about this a while ago. He said, if you really want to see who you are, I think he said, if you really want to see yourself like naked, get rich and have money because now you've eliminated that whole thought. And that whole complication from your life, and then you'll see who you really are. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Minnie, it's an interesting question. You know, the role money plays in our life, but us three have now been involved in the financial independence movement. We're content creators. We have various platforms. Do you see the other side of this, like financial independence burnout, where you or other people get to this point where like, I'm just sick of talking about money. I'm sick of worrying about this. This is actually having a negative effect on my life instead of a positive one. Do you mean after they've reached financial independence or just on the journey itself? Both. I have seen a pattern after people reach financial independence and retire. If they were talking about it, a large portion of them stop. Maybe they just needed the blog or the podcast to keep them going until they got there. There's a variety of reasons that people end their blogs. People who stop on the journey, I think, are hitting roadblocks. They may have, you know, a unexpected expense that totally derails their finances. And if you get a couple of these, you start thinking to yourself, well, whatever whatever I do is not going to work and I'm just going to quit and live the life that I want to live because... Everybody else, I mean, they don't call it keeping up with the Jensen's. We don't have our own TV show. (laughs) They've got keeping up with the Kardashians where they show these opulent houses and these amazing cars and this seemingly beautiful life. I don't know. I haven't actually watched the show because it's not my thing. But if you want material things, you see these people with this money and you're like, oh, I want to get this. And then when you're continually knocked down, you fine, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go for this 
you know, live in the moment thing and, and I'm fine. I think that staying the course will help you get there. But I have seen people get really derailed because of circumstances outside their control. Uh, one mini rant I have is I can't stand the way the media portrays financial independence. And Jordan, you'll know what I'm talking about. You see these articles on on a site that say, like, meet the couple who lives in a camper van on the Mexican Riviera or meet the guy who makes $30,000 a month in passive income. And I can see where people would see those articles and get mad because that stuff isn't really attainable. Those are extreme cases. What I say to people, I'll go in the opposite direction. When my father was dying, and you thankfully helped me through that difficult time in my life, I was able to have the time and the mental bandwidth to deal with that. I could drive out to Las Vegas where my parents were to visit them. Uh, so ignore all that stuff you see in the media. If that stuff makes you mad, it, there's a lot of value in getting your money together and having your finances straight. And then if all that great stuff happens on top of it, that's awesome. But no, no matter what all that stuff says, get your money together because it's going to free you up to be able to deal with the bad stuff too, which is which should be, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but it's there for you if that happens. Carl, I'm, I'm interested in, I'm trying to figure out how to formulate this question. There's been an evolution. You guys have learned a huge amount in the 10 years that this blog has existed You've reached financial independence, financial freedom. You've learned the importance of money in your lives, the problems money can and can't solve. If something amazing happened tomorrow, and I shouldn't say amazing, maybe something tragic happened tomorrow, and all of a sudden your net worth went down to zero, do you think the benefits of what you've learned in the last 10 years would remain? Wow. How would I rebuild life? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of value. I didn't know what an index fund was before I started the blog. I know what that is. I know how to properly invest. Probably the biggest thing is just the the motivation and inspiration. Uh, if that happened, instead of wallowing in my pity, I would know that there's a lot of incredible people I could collaborate with. And there's so many different ways to make money. So when I'll back up a second. When I started the blog, you would go to these financial conferences and it would be a whole bunch of like people like me, dudes with beards who write computer software. And that was probably the majority of people there. And it's so much nicer now because it's so much more diverse in the way people look and what people do as well. And that just shows you there's so many different ways people are accomplishing this. I was fortunate because I had a solid income, but you see people do this single parents who have two jobs and, and, and two kids who still find a way to make this happen so much infinitely more inspiring than my story will ever be. So, yeah, I think I have learned and I probably went on a totally different tangent and didn't answer your question, but I would be way more confident in my situation than it would have been had I not been involved in this community all this time. Mindy, if you had to start all over again, anything you'd do differently than you did 10 years ago or 20 years ago and anything that you'd advise people to change? Wow, am I starting over right now? <laughs> or am I starting over 10 years ago? Because 10 years ago, I would have made a lot of different changes. Talk about that. 10 years ago, we had incredibly low interest rates on mortgages, and we had a high income with his computer programmer salary. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And if I knew then what I know now, I may have started buying up rental properties in my hometown. And I mean, back then they were like $100,000, $200,000. We could have scooped those up all day long and rented them out. I would like to provide affordable housing to people who don't have affordable options. Our city is getting really expensive. Now it doesn't make sense. That same $100,000, $200,000 house is $500,000, $600,000. That doesn't make sense to be a rental. It's expensive to be a, a property for somebody to buy anyway. So I would have maybe had more real estate if we if I knew then what I know now. If I had to start over from zero right now, I would probably go the index fund route with some sprinkled in some uh, tech stocks that he has suggested after doing mountains of research on. Because real estate's a little expensive right now. 
Carl, looking back, was the name of the blog short-sighted? I mean, 1,500 days, your journey obviously has ended up being much longer than that. Yeah, that's a great question. I had about 100 other URLs picked out for a blog name. But <laughs> I'm sure you, you've been through this circus. You punch in and the first 99 are just people squatting on them. Maybe one is something that's actually legitimate. But yeah, it should have emphasized the 1500 days was a stupid goal. And I don't think I've come to think lately that goals are a bit toxic, too, because when we have a goal, it sets our mind to the future and we don't enjoy the journey as much. And we live in the journey. You meet a goal and hey, it's great for that day or week or whatever. And then it's fleeting. What we need to do is find ways to enjoy every every single day, every single moment if we can and pay attention to it. So, yeah, it was a pretty ridiculous name, but now it's stuck and I'm not changing it. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy, one thing I realized about my own trajectory is I was heavily influenced by my parents and the way they did things. Talk about your children and how they've kind of gone on this journey with you. What do you think their take on money and life is going to be? Well, our 13-year-old was just lecturing us on how we shouldn't invest everything in the stock market because look at how much money we've lost, (laughs) which is hilarious to me, but also I think really representative of people who don't understand the stock market. And if you are just starting to invest right now, you're probably thinking a whole lot more like my 13-year-old than you are thinking like me or like Carl, because it is very scary to see your, you know, I put $1,000 in and now I have $900. Yay! (laughs) But they have, like, we talk about money a lot in our house, as I'm sure you do. I'm sure your kids are like, dad, I don't want to hear it anymore. (laughs) My kids are like that all the time. We talk about it and they have ebbed and flowed, you know, oh, I want to talk about this more. Oh, I'm not interested at all. My 15-year-old came home from school the other day. She's like, thanks a lot. I got to tell somebody all about the Roth IRA at school. And at least I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) That's hilarious. Kids are pretty interesting because what I found is you can give them all the information in the world. And, and they know, like, I think both our kids could describe what an index fund is pretty accurately. But what they do with the information is a whole different thing. Our older one tends to be conservative, a lot more like me. So I think she'll be a saver. Our younger one isn't really motivated by money at all, which I kind of find a striking. When I was a kid, I was, I was always doing side hustles. It would snow. I'd be knocking on doors. Hey, can I shovel your driveway for five bucks? And they, the younger one just doesn't seem to care. Like like whatever, but, but the older one's different. So I think it's our duty as parents to give them as much information as we can, gentle nudges, but in the end, there's only so much you can do. Uh, Yeah. So Mindy, over the last 10 years, you guys have built multiple platforms, including 1500 days, as well as your podcast, bigger pockets, money and Carl's podcast, mile high fi Back then, 10 years ago, you were known to family and friends, et cetera, but now you have a bigger following of people. What does it feel like to know that you can influence other people? I mean, I imagine you get these emails and texts where people say something you said on your podcast or in the blog really affected their lives. What does that feel like? You know, honestly, it feels really, really good because I have this information that I have learned over the course of my lifetime, keeping it to myself doesn't do anybody any good. Sharing it with others doesn't take it away from me. I still have that knowledge and now more people do. So as I create podcast episodes that, you know, talk about a specific thing, I'll get a message from somebody, you changed my life. You changed my trajectory. You showed me that this was possible. I am now completely out of debt because I listened to your show. I have started building generational wealth for my family because I read a post on your blog. It's so rewarding to be able to share the knowledge that I have with other people. And I just, I really love getting those emails. You can send them to me at Mindy at (laughs) biggerpockets.com. Carl, I noticed when I was reading the replies to that 10-year anniversary post, someone went out of their way to say, this blog has changed my life. How does that feel? Yeah, it's incredible. I 
I never thought that the greatest thing about the blog is something I had never thought about. I never thought about before starting it. And that's the community around it. I know you, Jordan, because of the blog, you helped me through a very difficult time of my life because of the blog. We went to Munich and some readers of the blog said, hey, I see you're in Munich. Can we come meet you? And they did. And they they brought us gifts. And I've got a call with them next week, actually. Yeah, it's just incredible. And in so many ways, I didn't see coming. There was one I've had uh, suicide affect my life a couple of times. And I wrote about that. And and someone said, I'm going through a difficult time. Thank you for writing about this. That helped me. So it's, uh, yeah, the, the people and the connections and uh, knowing that perhaps we made someone else's life a little bit better by sharing our stories. Yeah, it's just incredible to think about. I, I never would have thought would happen. And all our great friends, too, were uh, our life is in such a different spot than it was 10 years ago. I think we felt kind of lonely. We were in a different area of the world, a different spot in Colorado or we're so happy here. We have a great community and it's, uh, yeah, it's not an overstatement to say it's all because of financial independence. I found my people. I found my friends. I'm still a weirdo, but now I found other weirdos <laughs> in life and the blog has allowed me to do that. Not that you're a weirdo, Jordan. You're, you're one of <laughs> a little bit weird. <laughs> and that's a compliment, by the way. Well, Carl, Mindy, I wanted to thank you for coming on this show today. I really relate to your story because I look back at myself 10 years ago, and I think we all start with these huge, audacious financial goals. But what happens and evolves, especially after you start reaching some of those goals, is you realize that the money is helpful and in some ways really necessary to provide the space, time, and emotional energy to become more engaged in our lives. And whether that has to do with creation or community or whatever gets you excited, we definitely evolve sometimes away from the money side and into the living part. And that's what I think you both are a great example of, not just in your own lives, but then creating content, blogs and podcasts, which help other people do the exact same thing. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can get in touch with you. Let's start with Mindy. What is up next for the Jensen's? Ooh, we are looking to explore pulling back. Hmm. Like Carl has said, he's realized that there are lots of other things that he wants to do. Right now we have a, a house that we bought just around the corner from our current house with, that we've been rehabbing. And I say we very loosely, Carl has been rehabbing it and I've been helping out a little bit, but you know, I have that job. So he's, realize that I think the two of us have realized that live-in flips may not be the the best course of action for our lives going forward. So we're looking at ways to not only take that complication away, but take other complications away and start just relaxing. And it's taken, well, how long have you been retired? Five years? It's taken five years for him to realize that, you know, I it's okay to sit down and, and read a book that doesn't teach me anything. Have you learned that yet? I, I learned it, but it's only in the past couple of months. <laughs> I, I hope it's okay because I spend about two hours a day doing that. So <laughs> yes, I want everybody to know that it is okay to enjoy your life and read a book that doesn't teach you anything. Yeah. Yeah. Be like Jordan. Don't be like us. And <laughs> yeah, we're going to let loose a little bit. I've been learning Espanol. Yo aprendo, yo aprendo espanol. Uh, uh, guitar, piano, we're, we have a lot of travel coming up. We're going to be going to the Economy Conference again in Cincinnati in March. A after that, we're going to be going to New York City, which is great. If there's any people out there who would like to say hi or let us know. Yeah, it just letting loose a little bit. More bike riding, less swinging the hammer. And Mindy, what is the best way to get in touch with you both if people are interested in reaching out? I am available on Twitter at, at Mrs. 1500MRS1500, or you can email me Mrs. 1500 at 1500days.com. I'm not even sure what my Twitter handle is, but my email, I do know that Mr. 1500 1500 at 1500days.com. You're retire in 1500, retire uh, in 1500 on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Someone had the 1500days handle already taken. <laughs> 
Well, congratulations on the 10-year anniversary of 1500 Days to Freedom. I'm Doc G, and this has been the Earn and Invest podcast. I wanted to thank Carl and Mindy Jensen. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Awesome. Cool. I'm so excited about economy. Get to hang yeah, out with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm going to hit yeah. stop recording. So you'll be there too. That's awesome. We get in later on Friday and then we take off on Monday, but we're staying at that same Fairfield Inn. Is that yep. where you're yep. at? That's home? where I'm going to be. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is Doug coming too? He is. Awesome. Very, very cool. Lots of people. Almost everyone I know who went last year is coming. JD is not coming, but almost everyone else. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be better than ever. I can't wait. Is there anything we could do for you there or in between now and then? Everything you're doing. Just hanging out, talking, and, and being good friends. I'm... Um... I'm excited about it. You guys also, Carl, you won't have the stress of talking this year, right? So it makes it a whole different feel for the conference when you're not actually up on the stage. Yeah, I can just sit there and do nothing. Real quick, Jordan, I don't know if I told you about this before, but I assumed I'd be able to see presenter notes or whatever. And then I I go up there on rehearsal and it's a mirror of the screen. I'm like, what's this? She's like, oh, yeah, we don't have notes. I'm like... (laughs) As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.